Welcome to this week's episode of Time Added On. The wait goes on, Tom. Um, another week, another defeat. Uh, this time, obviously, away to Huddersfield on Friday night. How are we? Yeah, all good, all good. I mean, um, I mean, apart from apart from the apart football from again. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, all good. Like we said last weekend, you can't can't let the football get in, in the way of a of a good time. But um, yeah, you know, obviously the wait goes on. Hopefully, the football can be as good as uh, well. Help us uh, have a have a better weekend going forward. But in this case, uh, not so much again. Yeah. I had a rubbish week last week. I was I literally had a rubbish week, and uh, I was looking forward to Friday night. I got the beers in the fridge, thinking, right, finish work, footies on the telly. As I say, beer in the fridge is going to be a good night, and uh, I was left thoroughly, thoroughly disappointed. So pretty much summed up my week. Um, plenty happened over the last week. I think it's fair to say there's. Um, there's definitely a never dull, never a dull moment. We've always got plenty to talk about. Um, another three signings have come in. Obviously, Arter, McKenna, and uh, are we saying this, Tom? We're going to go Ianu, Ionu, and it looks like Silver out, Cafu in uh, is the one that we're obviously we're waiting to happen. Probably by the time this goes out, that would have happened. Um, whew, lot going on again in the transfer front. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when we finish recording the pod, uh, which we do on Sunday evenings, um, I think coming up to that Huddersfield game, we thought we knew what kind of how the squad would look coming up to it. Um, we thought we knew that there was a, a couple of murmurs going around and we certainly knew Forrest was still after players, but I weren't quite expecting Arthur McKenna, Ian Al, um, and also obviously the potential swap of Thiago Silva and Cafu over this next week as well. There's still a lot happening, and obviously Lamucci's has already said he wants another in in that position, which I've banged the drum on uh, enough times already. The winger position, so it sounds like there's certainly at least going to be one more after Cafu, um, and you would hope for plenty, plenty more outgoings as well. Um, so, so a lot happening. Yeah, I mean it's a weird one. I mean we were, um, I think the Arta one just took everyone by surprise. Obviously. I think it was in the paper this time last week on the Sundays that um, we weren't going to go, we weren't going to get Arta because his wage demands were too high. So I think we'd all kind of said, well, that's a shame. He was kind of the player that we talked about in the pod um, last week, saying that he, he'd be ideal really for what we need in that midfield. And yeah, it kind of came from nowhere. Tuesday night, Boris was on, eight o'clock. Forrest decided to announce it at the same time. Um Great signing for me, the Arta one. Um, we'll come on to the Huddersfield game, but thought he showed in that game what an asset he can be. And and McKenna as well, super signing. I'm really pleased, obviously, we've got that, that over the line. Someone kind of asked us in t- on Twitter in the week in terms of who are, your, who are we most excited about over the next season? Who do we think is going to be the best signing? And for me, I think McKenna's up there. He will be one of our, if not the best Um and I thought he had a really good debut on, on Friday night. And um, and yeah, the silver one, the silver out Cafu in. I mean, I think we all knew that silver would probably go. Um, talked about that on the pod. Um, you just got a sense that maybe all of the Portuguese players might exit um, this summer. But Cafu is just a, a, a name that came from nowhere. Joined Olympiacos in the January window, I think, for 400k. Um, actually played for them 
yesterday and scored the second goal in a 2-0 win. Defensive midfielder, surely we're well set to the defensive midfielder. This, for me, screams business ploy, not necessarily footballing reasons that Cafu's coming in. Yeah, I mean, we didn't... It certainly wasn't on my list after signing Arter anyway. If we weren't signing Arter, maybe. But, I mean, it just feels as if because one... One Cafu's gone out in terms of Matty Cash that they feel like they needed to replace, maybe in that <laughs> respect, and bringing another Cafu in. Terrible. Oh, no, sorry about that. Terrible. But, but, I mean, for me, like I've said before, I think we've spoken about it in another episode. Thiago Silva, I wasn't really, I'm not, I'm not really that bothered about in terms of outgoing. Um, but yeah, unless the Cafu thing is a, is a business ploy, uh, a kind of a way around. I mean, in terms of the valuations of the players and... and... There was a suggestion on Twitter over the last couple of days that it's, there's a loophole in financial fair play that means by just doing a straight swap, that might actually show up as a profit. I don't quite understand the ins and outs fully. I don't think anyone does of um, of FFP. But yes, this is, there's a suggestion that by doing it this way, um, it would actually show a more beneficial... Um, balance, if you like, from a financial fair play. But we will say that would certainly make more sense because we are well stocked in that central midfield position. So one more in in Cafu, silver out. Um, as you say, probably one more in. Well, you never know, Forrest, but at least one more in in terms of a winger. Obviously, in the last couple of days, been linked with Grisicki again from West Brom, who we wanted in January. Um got to be plenty of outgoings now surely the focus has to be on outgoings obviously the the, the Sundays today suggesting that Derrickwa and Jenkinson will be um will be on their way out um potentially if Forrest can find any suitors for them but we're looking at six seven eight bodies out the door hopefully and that's not going to be easy in this in this financial uh world at the minute where football clubs are struggling and obviously a lot of the players that we want to get rid of are on big wages no, I think we spoke about it last week again. Like, it's easier said than done saying, yeah, we've got a massive squad, get them out. But when Forrest have signed the kind of players they have on the wages they have, and in the current climate, I mean, in a normal climate, I think it'd be hard to get rid of them anyway, given the wages they're on. So in the current climate, it's only going to be even harder. Um, but they do need to shift some players out. I think Forrest might have to cut their losses for some of them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I certainly expect a good handful of, of players to have gone. Um, and also, like you said, in terms of one more in, it certainly wouldn't shock me at all with Forrest if we got towards the end of the window and let's say a couple of Premier League clubs um, allow certain quality players up, up for a loan to drop a division and they'd take it. Um, I certainly wouldn't be surprised, even though I'm not necessarily sure they need it and should go for it. I wouldn't be surprised if Forrest uh, kind of delved in no, I mean, personally, I look at it now and I go, it's actually, we've, we've talked about the ins and outs of how many transfer we, transfers we've bought in, but it's refreshing in a way that looks like, hopefully, bar one, our income our incomings are done well ahead of um, of deadline day. And actually, we can focus now on trimming the squad. From that from that sense, obviously, they, they, they appear to have done a good job. But yeah, I'd be really reluctant to, to start adding more bodies, as I say, Cafu coming in, we're already well-stocked in defensive midfield. We're well-stocked at the back. Competition up front. As I say, get the winger in and it's job done. So I really hope we avoid just adding necessary bodies for the sake of it. But 
you never know. Um, I suppose the other big talking point this week, well, well, a couple more talking points. Obviously, the season ticket debate, which we're not going to go into. We'll, we'll leave that for, for other people to talk about. But obviously, the thing that's kind of caused that is obviously um, the new COVID restrictions been an absolute hammer blow to um, to fans, to football fans. Certainly, I, I maybe it's the optimist in me, but I was really looking forward to getting back in October. Um, obviously, albeit at reduced capacity, so I think they're, they're expecting circa 8,000, um, 7,500, 8,000 at the city ground to start with from a reduced capacity point of view. But it, it looked like there was light at the end of the tunnel there where fans could start to get back into football grounds and, and try and obviously experience some of what the usual match day experience was previously. Um, obviously, there are more, more important things in, in life than football, and obviously we have to acknowledge that, but it's a blow, isn't it? Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to... I'm not going to go into to too much detail in terms of the politics around it, but it is a it is a shame. It is you know it's uh, it's a big part of a lot of people's lives. I know obviously there are more important things, but to a lot of people, that's their social life. That is their their plans on a Saturday. So the fact that that's still no longer going to be able to happen for a little while it is a shame. And it, I think it's also there's a couple of things for me. There's there's part of it as well where I think it is affecting the games. The the games are slightly weird. I look at some of the yeah. results this weekend and some of the games that have happened. And I think would that have happened if if there was a huge crowd in there, that kind of thing. And then, and another thing is is um, you look at some of the other countries. I think um, uh, in Germany and actually I, I was watching watching the F1 today in Russia and they've got a huge amount of fans going to watch the race. Um, so it is a shame to, you know, when you're looking at other countries and the fact that fans are in there and, and we're in the situation we're in. But, you know, hopefully if we continue in the same, you know, if we continue uh, doing what we can, hopefully it won't be yeah. that long. Yeah, 100%. And as I say, we, we, we do understand to an extent and obviously there are more important things. But yeah, let's, um, let's hope that the, the re- relevant authorities and the government are obviously talking because getting fans back into football grounds is going to be a must, if you like, if certain clubs are going to survive. Obviously, certainly outside of the Premier League, um, match day income is a kind of a lifeblood for a lot of football clubs. So let's, let's fingers crossed that it's, uh, it's sooner rather than later that we can all kind of get back to, uh, to the match day experience. So on that note, should we, um, should we talk we about, about other Do we have to? Should we skip this bit? Yeah, you um, talk about the match day experience. I'm not sure I want to talk about the match day yeah, experience at the moment. Yeah, well, yeah, at least we can turn the telly off, I suppose. Um, so, Huddersfield, seven changes from Cardiff, obviously four debutants. Uh, Christie, Embersow, McKenna, um, all came in. Arter, obviously, being the other debutant, alongside Blackett, Sal and Taylor all came in. Um Yates, Lolly Graben dropped to the bench. I think there was obviously significant absentees within that squad uh, with Jenkinson, Ribeiro and Figueredo all out of the 18 completely. Um, were you surprised that he made the changes he did? Did you get the feeling of last chance saloon from Sabri? Yeah, I have to say, it came as a bit of a whirlwind to me. I was um, having a drink in a socially distanced bar near the Olympic Park and actually... When, then when I came back to watch the match, saw saw the even though I had seen the team, I don't think it really gone in properly. And when I saw the team news and obviously Sky talking about it, it was a bit of a surprise. But look, Forest have signed twelve players. They they signed a few last week. 
I think it was a bit of a, uh, a roll of the dice for, for Sabri. Um, some of the changes, though, I when I made my team prediction slash really just what I wanted, um, hmm. um, I was quite, I mean, I was on the same page in terms of dropping dropping certain players, that's for sure. So um, I get I get why it's a bit of a roll of the dice because because it's it was full of a lot of new faces. Um, but at the end of the day, Forrest have signed a whole heap of new faces. So if they're not going to play, what, what's the point? So, yeah, um, and, and I think it's fair to say, obviously, players like, you know, Emberso has been in there a couple of weeks now. Christie had had a full week training, full week training. I suppose the two were, were McKenna and Arta, but I mean, both of those guys, Arta signed on Tuesday, so he would have had a good couple of days with the squad and, and McKenna followed up on Wednesday. And I guess he probably would have trained on Wednesday morning with the team, so probably similar to Arta. So if you've spent the money and you've got the quality, um, and things obviously haven't been going for us in the, in the first few games, bring them in. I mean, I was... I was delighted to see to see that team. To be honest with you, I was, I was really excited to see the new back four and see how they would gel and play together. I thought the midfield, you know, bringing Sam Basau back in as well, I thought was a, was an, an interesting move. Obviously, he's not even been around the squad for the first few games, so to bring him in um, was was a real plus point. Huddersfield should have been down to ten after forty five seconds. Terrible tackle, Tom. Yeah, it was an awful tackle uh, very early on. I mean, I thought, I thought this is Forrest looking at. I thought Harry Arter, uh, you've just sat yeah, him. Everyone's I watched that, watched that mate. I Everyone. thought he's out, he's out for some time here. It was a, he, and he he was in pain. It was a horrible tackle. Yeah, everyone's chuffed a bit. We signed Arter, and then first game in, bam. See you later. But um, luckily, hard as nails, mate. And he hard as nails, hard as nails, and he got uh, he got back up after a little bit of. A little bit of uh, pain that he had. Some suggestion, uh, some suggestion that that would have been lined up. There was a bit of uh, a bit of bad blood between the players uh, in a previous encounter, apparently. So, um, yeah, some suggestion that the, the first encounter was going to be a, 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 a no holes barred kind of uh, tackle. So, it definitely uh, forty five seconds. They should have gone down to ten. I think we have to kind of caveat that. And I think the Sky Boys caveated that as well. Obviously, half time, full time on Friday. Sam Basau was probably lucky to stay on the pitch uh, and make it to half time. Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, the thing is, is that Sam Basau is good at what he does. He'll make some very smart, he'll make smart fouls. I mean, he's in there to be a bit of a nuisance and break things up. But um, there were some times where I thought, you are really pushing your luck here. Um, and also, I just felt like maybe he was slightly. He's not been in in the in the team, um, and just looks maybe slightly off the pace a little bit in in some occasions, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, he was he was quite lucky to get away with what he did, and uh, he was inevitably going to get subbed off. Um, and if he didn't, I would have that would have been a, a large question mark for me um, on what Sabri's thinking would have been there. Yeah, I mean that aside. For- I think it's a fairly. I mean, this is, might be where we start to disagree now in this part. I think we. I think we've got a slightly different opinions this week. Um, for me, though, Bar Sal almost obviously getting himself sent off. It was a fairly positive first half. Obviously, Christie had the early chance where he kind of broke free into the box on the right hand side and forced a good save. Um, there's Ami Obi that obviously forced Hamer into an absolute worldy of a save. Um, 
And obviously, we should have probably gone in at least 1-0 at half-time with, with Ember So's chance. Um, clear clear header, six yards out, straight at the keeper. Um, I think he, he'll be disappointed with that. Um, and also, there was a chance where Amiobi kind of flashed one across the, the box and you didn't really... Huddersfield defender got a foot on it, could have gone anywhere. Really restricted Huddersfield to very few chances. Obviously, there was the error from Samba, which nearly became costly, but... Other than that, I think Forrest had more of the, the clear-cut chance in the first half and you, and you felt a goal, albeit there's any kind of two, three clear chances, but I actually thought you know there was a chance there that we were going to get one um, and really boost the confidence by going in at, at half-time 1-0 up. I thought it was a good first half. I think you know Forrest went in there with a game plan and um, it, 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 was, it was, you know, they, they, they played decent. Um, I do wonder whether. I mean, it's better than it was better than Cardiff. Yeah, oh, half, yeah I, so, I mean, I've only made. I did. I mean, I don't know whether it's just my my lack of note taking or whether maybe I just felt less happened uh, in that first half than you. I wrote three notes. Um, I wrote seventeenth <laughs> minute. McKenna bursts forward. Amiobi gets the ball. Trickle through. Great shot. I think you spoke about that. There. Yeah. I think you know McKenna. McKenna was superb for me, best best Forest player on the pitch by a quinter mile in my opinion. Uh, but Amiobi had a fantastic shot which got saved. Another one, I went, there was one in the middle of these which I'll come on to in a minute because I don't know whether you'll agree or disagree. Forty sixth, I wrote great header from so uh, from a corner and a great save. And then thirty fifth, I wrote black it really out of position, not looked. <laughs> so. So I mean, they, only on the thirty-fifth you wrote that. Yeah, I know. Wow, I think I think that confirms there was a lack of note taking. Um, but yeah, I think Forest had a decent first half. I just I wondered whether if Huddersfield took the game to them a bit more, whether they would have looked as as not good um, as as solid uh, or as unthreatened as they did, uh, because I think that's why we saw the second half took took a bit of a turn. Well, yeah, I mean. We're going into that half time, as I say, I, I was quite happy. I say when when I say positive, as I say, I, I'm I'm benchmarking that versus QPR and Cardiff. So I, I wouldn't say we were we were on fire uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but there was definite positives there. Bearing in mind, as I say, four debutants, seven changes, real you, you know you worry about a, a, the lack of cohesion in the team when that happens. And I think actually probably for the first five ten the defence did look a bit shaky as they were just trying to feel each other for out and obviously just work out where they need to be. I think once once as the half grew, I think as a team they kind of progressed as I say, we, we did have two or three real golden chances to, to get that first goal. Uh first goal of the season, I can't believe it. But um <laughs> I still can't believe we haven't scored. September uh, September goal of the month is gonna be an absolute cracker. Um but yeah, and you go into half time, and I, and I was thinking, just capitalise on that. Come out and really, you know, have a second half like we had against Cardiff. Have a have a second half like we had once we went one nil down to QPR, and really go for it because I, I genuinely thought that if we went for it in that second half, you could only see you could see it, it was the game was there for Forest to win. It was a the three points. I wouldn't say they were on a plate. Because obviously they still have had to work for it, but I feel like if they applied the same amount of pressure as they did the week before, that was really for me. And I don't know what was said at half time because they were awful second half. 
They yeah. were absolutely terrible second half. I mean, I think if we'd still have been playing now, we wouldn't have scored. It's a bit of a worry, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to wonder where I could put put this opinion in during this whole time, to be fair. And I can put it in at any time because what epitomised it for me was not only did I think uh, Scott McKenna was uh, one of the highlights because he looked solid at the back, in my opinion, but also, and you might disagree again, but I felt like when he got on the ball, he was kind of the only only player when he got on the ball that was actually really pushing forward, which sounds really odd for a centre back. You might you might think you might think I'm I'm going mentally, but when I was watching the game, I felt like he was making strides forward, but then you know he would pass forward, but there weren't many options for him. There's, there wasn't a lot of movement. And then another thing for me was. I just there was some reactions to some of the changes that that Lamucci made in terms of when Sabri was throwing instructions onto the pitch that got a few raised eyebrows. I think yeah, Harry Arter didn't quite have a clue yeah. what the message was being passed on to him from Lewis Graben. The interesting one, which um, I kind of caught out of, uh, out of the corner of my eye when um, I must admit I was opening another beer because it was that bad. I needed another beer, and then when Freeman came off. He was fuming. I mean, he had to be pulled away from the bench by by Dawson. He was not happy um, with coming off. And that's what I mean in terms of the frustration levels, the confusion, whether the message isn't coming across in terms of the way that we want to play, the system, etc., or just purely the, the frustration at the start that we've had and the, the lack of be, just being able to get the break or get a goal. But you can sense it across the whole team now that... Um, the longer this run goes on, obviously it's kind of setting in now, and they need to break that. We, it's not even a hangover anymore. We use that we've used the word hangover far too much now in in the the previous three episodes. It's gone well beyond that now, um, and you can just see it written across all of their faces. Even when grab when the, when the camera pants are grabbing sitting on the bench, I mean, yes, he's going to be pissed off because he's been dropped, but even when he came on, he he, he just looked frustrated and angry already. Not even kicked a ball. Um, and as I say, the things like the, the frustration of, that Freeman showed when he was being subbed, the confusion that Harry Arter appeared to have, have, um, have shown, that, that's also a bit of a, a concern. Yeah, it's a massive concern. I mean, obviously, what we have got to caveat is that we, we don't know what's being said and what the actual thoughts and opinions are, because some of these players might be like, oh, you know, their face is maybe telling a different story to what they're thinking. But, <laughs> but, but my concern, speaking from experience, there, Tom. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going on with my face half the time, but, <laughs> but, but, but my concern is it's not like you can go, these, this is the, the frustration of a bunch of players that have played for him in, played for him, um, for a season already and went through that end of season last season. The players that are showing the biggest kind of concerning vibes are the players he's actually just signed, and the yeah. players that have only been under him for a few weeks that are already seemingly, I'll say, question or or have at least doubts or annoyances about kind of the way that we're going about things, and that's a massive concern because usually what I think what you would hope is with Forest signing so many new players is that it kind of it's a it's a fresh start. It's a fresh new way of looking at things. There's a new positive vibe around the club to have another go at it. But seemingly, it's it looks as if these players are uh, are already incredibly frustrated after only a few games. Um, and that is something which 
is Sabri's going to need to mm. turn around and very, very, and when I say very quickly, I'm, I'm talking if if he has the next game. I think the setup was the setup was disappointing on Friday night again. Say so we talked, we looked at the team, and obviously we said it was a bold team. I mean, what I would say is that starting with three defensive midfielders, though Harry Arter can you know can play a little bit more for, further forward as he as he tried to a little bit on Friday night as well. But but three midfielders who are going to be play fairly deep. It didn't help again. We talked last week about there being a real gap from midfield to the forward players, and that was the lack of a link. And I say it'll take time. You know, we aren't only signed on Tuesday night, so as the team and the squad gel, hopefully that cohesion will get better. But going with a three-man defensive centre midfield did, I mean, that that didn't help us on Friday. No, and I think um, we had obviously um, a bit of a disagreement on WhatsApp in terms of how annoyed I was about obviously him taking off my fave La Taylor for a straight swap with with Lewis Graben. And the reason that was wasn't because I don't didn't want Lewis Graben on, and it wasn't even because I really really wanted to see La Taylor stay on the pitch, even though I did. Um, it was more because. La Taylor didn't have anything to work off and I think what we actually needed was maybe someone alongside him and they could could have worked together um but yeah it was just the we like like I've said already it does it didn't matter what team he picked but if the approach to the game didn't change then that inevitably was going to end in disappointment and it, and it did I didn't we said that he just had to go for it he's the, the clock is running the, the clock is running down regardless of whether people want that to happen or not it is that that's you know you don't have to be a, a genius to work that out the clock is is quickly running down um and he should have gone for it and i i just didn't feel like we did i've got a couple of positives i want to end i want to end this section on a couple of positives but should we just do one more slight negative and i say slightly it's probably the one player when we were chatting on whatsapp throughout the game on friday night and I'm disappointed, really, because I thought he had a really good debut. Well, I thought he had a really steady debut against QPR, but Tyler Blackett was was did not have his best game on Friday. Nah, and I think what we have to be very careful early on is uh, I know it gets mentioned a lot on Twitter about people becoming scapegoats and um, you know being our uh, the go-to person to criticise. That's not that's not the aim at all. But he did have a a poor game. There was just so many times where he was either A, caught out of position super easily um, and tracking back. There was not a chance in the world for him getting back. Um, or he just gave the ball away in poor areas. It, it was a real poor performance. Um, and I think it, you know, raises even more question marks as to the future of Ribeiro for me. I don't think he's done much wrong, but I know as his critics, we spoke about it before. And obviously the new uh, the new kind of left back, left sided centre back. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't. Um, it certainly wasn't a, a great performance by Blackett. And um, obviously, we'll come on to it. But I'm not sure he'd be starting for me against Bristol City. No, it wasn't his best night. As I say, I thought his debut um, against QPR was was relatively steady. I thought he, I thought he was good in that game. So. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Bad night at the office. There wasn't, there wasn't many that came out 
of that game anyway with uh, having a having a great night at the office. So we'll just put that one down to it to a poor night. But yeah, certainly uh, moving forward, we're going to need to expect a lot more um, in that left back position. And obviously, now he's got um, further competition for that spot. It looks as though Ribeiro will probably be exiting before the end of the window. So um, it's he really his shirt to to try and hold on to now, and they'll be hoping to to keep it for for Bristol City next week as well. And um, let's end then with a couple of positives. Um, I've got the three players, two in particular, but three, three for me um, alongside Amiobi. But the back, the three of the back four. Um, Emberso, McKenna and Christie. Um, I thought all had good debuts. I thought Christie got up and down that right-hand side, certainly in the first half a lot more than he did in the second half. But first half, he had a couple of real darting runs. Um, and I think a really, real improvement on um, on what we've seen in the first few games. And that's that's no slight, obviously, on Jordan Gabriel who's obviously learning his trade. But, you know, uh, Cyrus Christie's been there, done it. Obviously, one promotion with Fulham last year. And I think he was just—you could see that in his performance—that he he kind of slotted in there, and I thought he had a really good, uh, I thought he had a really good debut. The centre half, so for me, were fantastic, um, and I'm really pleased that Emberso came in and had a really strong game. We had a rocky, nervous, probably first five or ten minutes, as I touched on in the episode, where they were just trying to find their feet, um, the pair of them together, but. I thought he was brilliant, and 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 him and McKenna. I really liked the way they carried the ball out from the back. They they were really positive with it, always looking to play it first, but not uh, afraid of hitting it long if needs be, just to clear the danger. And as I say, I think McKenna for me is going to be the signing of the of the summer. I thought he looked a class above. Um, real strong lads won almost all of his aerial duels that he had. Um, yeah, those two, I'm really excited to see how they kind of blossom as a partnership over the coming weeks. Yeah, 100%. I thought, um, I thought it was really good to see because I think when you see two new centre backs uh playing together for the first time, it can be really interesting. I mean, we've seen it, we've seen it for, for some top class Premier League centre back pairings that have come in that are brand new. I mean, we've seen a different Thiago Silva, a Brazilian Thiago Silva coming in for Chelsea. And, causing absolute chaos because it's not easy when you come into a new team and you've got a brand new centre-back pairing to form such a solid, uh, it doesn't matter how good you are, to form such a solid pairing straight from the off. But I really liked what they had to offer because they're, they're different, but that they can read, they seem to read each other very well. And like you said, they carried the ball forward nicely. Um, I never felt too nervous with them. Cue something disastrous happening against Bristol City. But so far... It looks really good. Christie, I liked. Christie, I did like. I did like his burst forward. I felt like in the second half, he was a victim of um, some of the shambles in central midfield, in my opinion. Um, I felt like that made him look worse just because other players didn't drop back when he inevitably went forward, like Sabri likes to for a right back and a left back. Um, I felt like he was a bit of a victim for a bit of a, a chaotic midf- midfield in that second half. But I liked what I saw from him. I liked some of the balls he put in. Um, and I liked, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that is one thing we will agree on in this whole pod is um, I did like those three um, and what they offered in, in defence for a brand new defence for Forrest. Um, that was a strong start by those three. So there's plenty of, um, there's plenty of food for thought going into Bristol City. We just talked about 
three of the four defenders being kind of rock solid. He's talked about problems in midfield and obviously what he does in the final thirds. Obviously, four games now this season, no goals. He's got to shake it up. So I, I don't think if we try to pick our starting eleven for Bristol City now, I don't think we, we will get it right. I don't think anyone would or there'd be very few people that would. I'm not even sure Sabri knows, to be fair. So there's definitely, a, a, and we're not even clear on what he believes or what our best system is. So, um, yeah, I think next weekend is going to be another interesting one from that point of view. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, I can't really work out what the thinking is anymore. And you, you know when um, you know when that's happening that there is a bit of a chaos, chaotic uh, feeling behind the scenes. Um, yeah, it will be really interesting to see what team he picked. I mean, Bristol City are no mugs. They've got a cracking midfield. Um, and they've started off this new season incredibly well with 100% record so far under a fairly new coach um, or or head coach in this case, uh, in Dean Holden. So, you know, Forrest are going to have to be really careful. Um, this this is probably, uh, given the start that the teams have had, probably their hardest game so far because uh, the other teams Forrest have played actually haven't been that good in terms of the first three games. Um, just Forrest have, have made them look good. Um, so this is this is going to be a tough one, um, and Forest are going to have to be re- Forest. This is where their midfield are going to have to step up because if Forest if Forest midfield have a game like they did uh, against Huddersfield, then we really are in for a disastrous day on Saturday. Yeah, I mean Bristol City. Well, they three and three won two nil today against um, Sheffield Wednesday. It's going to be a difficult one. You say on this is. Probably at the minute, you just said Cardiff before the season started, but this is without a doubt the hardest run. And obviously, after Bristol City comes a two-week international break, so it's really crucial um, that they get something from that. They tend to adapt a, a kind of a wing-back system, so it'll be interesting to see what Sabri goes with if he reverts back to kind of his standard four-two-three-one to try and counter that. Um, we say it every week, and I really hope we're not saying it next Sunday night, but we just need to see a reaction. We need more tempo. We just need more intent from the start. They just they just got to go for it. They just they need to take the game to Bristol. And it, it really is, Tom. Now, we, we've said it already, but it is really now or never for Sabri. Yeah, I mean, we said it last week, but I said then it didn't really matter what formation he played. Obviously, it would in terms of the game and the setup and the tactics. But if they don't change the approach and their attitude, then... It really doesn't matter. You know, you just mentioned playing a 4-2-3-1. I can't really tell the system anymore anyway because there's so many new players and people swapping about here, there and everywhere. Um, I mean, if they don't change, if they don't go for it on Saturday, um, I said last week, if you don't go for it, if you don't go for it now, then it'll never, it'll never be able to go for it for Forest again. Well, we're going to come on to it. We're going to come on to it. We, we've saved the Sabri section till last, and we're going to talk about where Sabri goes. With me, we're presuming that he will still be in the dugout next Saturday for this game. So um, we'll heavily caveat that. As I say, we're recording on the Sunday night. We'll probably this episode will probably be out on the Monday. Um, so fingers crossed. But if he does, if he is still in charge for this game, yeah, I mean. This is kind of make or break for him. Um, he's got a full week. He's got a full week, and you don't see other than Cafu. They might bring the winger in, but you would imagine that he's going to have a full week now with the with a, a settled squad, um, probably a few outgoings. But 
you would hope obviously that would help him get his ideas across and um, and see where he can get to. Well, we going from a score prediction before we wrap this bit up, Tom. Uh, unfortunately, um, I'm going to have to go for two-one Bristol City. I'm going for. A, I must admit, I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist, but I'm struggling at the minute. I'm going for a one-one. I think we'll score. That's, that's a bonus. That's optimistic at the moment. <laughs> but I think um, I think it'll be a, a draw. I'm going for a one-one. So, where does Sabri go from here? Um, Porte obviously wrote an article this morning in the Athletic. Forest since February have played nineteen, won three, drawn seven, lost nine. Um, the record speaks for itself, Tom, doesn't it? Managers have been sacked for much less at Forest. Yeah, but I think that's the thing. I think when we're talking about when we're talking about Sabri, we can't just look at the last three league games and Barnsley because because essentially because the preseason has been so short, you, you do kind of have to then look at the aftermath of, of the lockdown, the lockdown period. Um as well included within that, within these last set of results. And then even even before lockdown, you think of the Millwall at home game, um, the the big period in Jan, early Feb, where you where you had the massive, incredible win against Leeds, um, and then you just mess it up and then you go to West Brom and you you nick a point and then you mess it up again. And you just look at since Feb. It really, I know obviously we did have a big gap in between, but it really has been poor. And and I'm not even not even just under the new regime. Managers under previous owners would have been gone far quicker um within the current record. Obviously, you have to take into account COVID, um, and you have to take into account that Forest were still going for a playoff place and at one point we thought automatics maybe in potential. Well, I think in automatics after we uh, we beat Leeds, but yeah. But but so obviously you have to take that into account as to the reason why he didn't go sooner. Um but unfortunately for him that means that his expiry date this season will inevitably be shorter than others. Um mm. and that that is just the the sorry truth of it unfortunately. I think there was a fear. There was a large chunk of us that woke up the morning after Stoke and, and thought that his days might be numbered then. Um, and actually, I think it was really refreshing that that you know those clear the air talks obviously gave him another chance. And and actually, for the reasons we've spoke about at length previously, so we're not going to cover them again now. But I think he deserved a fresh crack at it at the start of this season, um, and just to go again with an influx of new signings that are his players and just to have a real run at it. But we talked about needing to get off to a good start. And I mean, he couldn't have asked for any worse. Um, four defeats, no goals. Haven't bar a few, you know, we talked, you know, we've just talked about Huddersfield first half, Cardiff second half, QPR where grab and missed a few chances, but we've not been carving teams open and, it's been difficult to watch. You know, he's talked about needing quality to 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 try and approach games in a different way and finish teams off. We've not seen the evidence of that so far, and I think that's that's the thing, isn't it? it it's more the approach to games and and how he goes into it. it was it, it was Warburton who said he doesn't have a plan B? He, he, his plan is just to do plan A better. 
And I feel like Lamut is almost in that mindset of if we buy quality and we get championship know-how, he can mould those players into the system and his profile and his personality and how he wants his team to play. Yeah. And I think there's more to that. Is almost we buy that quality, which enables us to have depth within the squad, but it also allows us to have that know-how of how to go at teams and really go on the front foot. You can't just buy good players and just expect them to kind of mould them into your way of thinking. I, I don't think. I, I think, you know, you buy these quality players and that then gives you another gear. I, I gave Sabri... I mean, Sabri's system works perfectly for, for two-thirds of the season last year. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Everyone was singing Sabri's praises. Because he was eking out the best of a very... I still think a, he got the best out of that squad. At times, at, you know two-thirds of the season, that squad was overachieving for me last season. And he needs to take credit for that. But now he's got the tools and the resources that he asked for, you need to then go on to another level and you need to kind of expand the way that you want to play so that we, let's just say, we can benefit, we can really go after teams and and and, and really show our strengths. Because at the minute, I don't think we worry too much about everyone else and we don't play to our strengths. No, yeah, no, I agree. Because... For me, I can understand being slightly cautious first game of the season against QPR. I get that. Uh, it's the first game of the season. It's always one of those ones where you're kind of working each other out. Uh, second game, Cardiff. Um, I get that because of the kind of the way that they set up and the approach. Um, although, obviously, I thought defensively we were woeful. Um, but then, Uddersfield, I thought it was a perfect opportunity for him to go right. You want me to? You want me to start going at teams? I'll go at teams because they were they were a team which, if Forest had gone for it, I'm confident we would have we would have taken them, um, and we didn't we didn't at all. We we didn't set up to do that. Uh, we didn't even regardless of the setup. We didn't approach the game like that. It was we just we looked like a team where we just we just want the game to pass us by. Um, and we just want to see what the other team are going to do and whether we can we can um, benefit off of mistakes from them rather than creating our own opportunities. And I just I just I just worry about where where that shift in mentality is going to come from because he doesn't seem to be someone who's going to change from his current stance. No, and he said before in, in interviews that he, he tends to have a negative disposition. Uh, and he's a warrior and he goes away and he thinks about things and he worries. That's really holding him back for me at this time. Being a warrior is fine up to a point, but when you've had the season how you've just ended last season, you need to your players will want you to stand up and show that that you can take things a bit more, you can approach things slightly differently, you've got a plan of attack and you know exactly how you're going to be more successful this season. And I just wonder whether the players saw him come back a little bit dishevelled and a little bit concerned, um, and just he's not he's not showing the 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 power and the respect that he needs to after no. after a disastrous end. And as a leader, that's what you want. As imagine as a group of players, that's what you want to see from your manager. You want to see someone come in and take the ball by the horns and show that level of leadership. Um, I think it's been. It's been said and noted that obviously he didn't speak to any of the players following that Stoke game. He just they all left the city ground on that night, and he didn't talk to a single one of them until pre-season. 
which I don't know if that would have gone down well or not, uh, how much interaction they would have wanted with him anyway over that time. But um, to end that season the way it did, probably could have done with a more personal touch, which then may have eked into into this season. We're speculating, but there's definitely, it's not a happy ship. Um, he's been backed. He's been backed on with, players that, and we have to take it on face value because he said this, um, and I know there are people out there that are, are still adamant that Sabri's not the master of the kind of the transfer destiny, if you will, but he's been backed with the players that he wanted and the quantity as well that he wanted. He he said last week he's not surprised at the number of at the number of players that they brought in because he felt like they needed it. That adds a lot of pressure, Tom, because your Scott McKenna's, your Embersos, your artists, they, they're not cheap. So that obviously automatically, you can't fault the board for backing him, but that obviously adds more pressure as well. Oh, 100%. You know, we know, regardless of, and I think certain people are, are correct up to a point with regards to, yeah, he's not necessarily the main man dealing with things, but in, in most football clubs, the manager isn't anymore. That's just That's just modern day football, right? But he's certainly involved in the board and will, as Billy used to used to say, advise and recommend. I'm sure he's certainly done that. And we know that because we know that he did want Tyler Blackett. He's got Tyler Blackett. We know he wanted Luke Freeman. He's got Luke Freeman. We know he wanted La Taylor. He's got La Taylor. And the list could go on. So, so he's got those players. So the fact that he continues not to get results only means more pressure. And there'll certainly be other managers that would look at that squad and look at some of the signings Forrest had made and they go... Do you know what? I think I could do something there. But it certainly doesn't help Sabri's case because he is a man that has got everything he wanted. Not only not only the playing staff, but his, his coaching staff. His coaching staff, yeah. Um, and so, really, like I think I've said it already, but, you know, the club have gone right. Well, you haven't got an excuse. So, show us results. And he's yet to show them. Um, so, you know, he, he really doesn't have... Uh, a lot that he can point the finger at apart from himself at the moment. No, we can talk all day about the quantity of signings, but I don't think the quality of those signings can be questioned. I think I, I look at it and, and on paper, and obviously we have to say the, the game is not played on paper, but on paper, that squad is one of the best squads now that we have had for quite some time. Look, I think I'm in the minority. We'll give you all the opinion. I think I'm in the minority. I'm still very much in there in the Sabri in camp. Um, case for his defence would be that, look, the number of signings we have made has been extreme. You know, we've had, over the past two or three weeks, there have been so many in. You know, we've talked about three signings in last week alone. He's not had the time to work with them. To You know, we've talked about his game plan all along. Nothing's changed. He's talked about how he wants to play in a different way. Well, look, now he's got the players in. Now's the time to prove it. But he needs that time with them on the training ground. And look, I talked about, a couple of weeks ago, talked about giving him at least 10 games till the end of October. He's not going to get 10 games. You know, if results carry on the way they are and, you know, it's loss after loss after loss, he's not going to see 10, 10 games in. But I would certainly... Give him the benefit of the doubt. The minute I, I, I really hope he picks up a win against Bristol City. I, I want to see a big, a good win against Bristol City. Going to the international break, have two weeks 
working with that squad on the training pitch, hopefully a few departures, get the wingry ones, and then really kick on and start afresh with a new team after that international break. Because, you know, tactically, we talked about how I believe he had that squad last season overachieving. Tactically, he's got the now. So, the, you know, the blueprint he had for last season was spot on. If he can work with that squad, show a little bit more um, attack mindedness going forward and show some real intent, but just work with that group and get them a cohesive unit, all singing from the same hymn sheet, I think it could work and I still hope it works. And I've still got every hope that it will work for Sabri. Um, he just needs to learn, he needs to learn quick. Yeah, I think, um, you know, look, I'm going to I'm gonna bring an opinion in from, from the opposite side. Um, no Forest fan, though, is the first thing I'll caveat, and I'm, I know that you know this, but no Forest fan wants Sabri to get sacked. You know, if, no. if, if he was getting results, we'd all be happy as Larry and, be, you know, we wouldn't even be, be talking about it. But unfortunately, that's the game. And he's not. Getting- he knows that. He knows that because he said that in his interviews after yeah. the game. He and- knows that if he sits there, he can have the best squad in the world. But if he's not sitting there and getting results, that's a football manager's job. So he knows that that the um, if he if he continues the way he's going, then ultimately it will end in his sacking. Yeah, and you know he's not been getting results since Feb. I, you know, with a I know there's a gap to to consider in there, but he's not been getting results since Feb. So. So it has to be looked at and it has to be spoken about about as well. One thing I would say, you know, you spoke about um, the fact that he's he's brought in a whole heap of signings and he's he's going to need time. Well, he keeps on alluding in his interviews that what he wanted was signings that knew the league because he knew he didn't have a lot of time. So then why the hell did he want 12 um, is one thing I question. It makes no sense. You want players that know the league, but you want 12 signings and they're going to take time to adjust. It's, so that doesn't make sense to me. Um, you either want 12 signings and you know you've got time or you know you've not got a lot of time. So you have top quality and you work with the squad that you have that nearly got you in the playoffs in the first place, which is not what he's done. He's ripped that up. So um, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think the other thing that the other thing that a lot of people have a problem with, and we've already spoken about it, is the fact that they can't see a change in approach and they can't see a change in tactics. They can't see a change in the way that he's going to do things. And if we could see that, then I think people would be happy as Larry to keep him. But we can't see that at the moment. So that is, he's going to face, he's going to face critics. Um, and that's a big part as a manager. You know, if you, if you aren't getting results in the current way you approach things, you're going to need to look at a different way of doing things. And he doesn't seem to be able to do that. And if people can't see a change, well, then the personnel is going to have to change. Um, and I think we know, you know, I don't want Sabri to go. But unfortunately for me, obviously we've said this a couple of times, we're recording on the Sunday, he could already be gone <laughs> by the time. Bristol- well, that was going to be it. My, my next question was going to be, how long to give him? Is Bristol City a must win? I, I think there was a few of us that felt waking up yesterday morning, I was almost refreshing Twitter every uh, 15 minutes expecting the corner flag to be up. Um, and as we've as you've just touched on again there, there's nothing to say that by the time this episode comes out on the Monday that that, that might come Monday morning. But if he doesn't and, he, and, he, and he, he gets another week, is Bristol City a must win? Or is there more of a long-term view from the board given the amount of signings that he's had in? 
I, I think he's got Bristol City. And uh, then you've got the international break. For me, um, I'd be surprised if that's not their thinking. I think they'll look at it and they'll go, right, you've got Bristol City. Part of me already thinks that if it's not three points, even if you've got a draw, they've probably already started looking at other options. We know how, how they work. We know how quickly he took the job after Martin O'Neill. So I think he might have Bristol City. Uh, and then they'll have a bit of a couple of weeks to to get someone else in and work with the current squad. That's that's the way I see it. You just wonder whether that's plotting. And, uh, and look, it's not. We don't want. I don't want to speculate too much on this because we're talking about someone who's in a job, and we never want to see anyone kind of booted out. But I just wonder whether that's going on behind the scenes now. And I, I do worry, you know, um, whether the writing's already on the wall for Sabri, and, and that's already in planning. Yeah, I think um, for me, I'd be surprised at any professional football club, to be fair, if you're even slightly considering changing coach, you would bring you would write up a shortlist. Um, and I'm sure they're, they're making noises for certain individuals. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have long, unfortunately. Like I said, the expiry date is, is coming, coming round. Um, I, hope, I hope he can turn it around because... You know, we we liked what he did last season up to a point. Um, and he did seem to get something from a team that, that was struggling before that under under previous managers. And he got the best out of certain individuals like Matty Cash, who I don't think would be uh, the quality of player is if he didn't get that guidance from Sabri. But unfortunately, he seems to have lost things a little bit. He seems to have lost ideas. He seems to have lost the train of thought that he had last season. Uh, and unfortunately, when that happens, there's not usually a way out. Well, let's say we're both wrong, Tom, and let's say we get three points there next Saturday, and, uh, and we can go from there. And that's it for this week's uh, this week's episode. If you want to get in contact, it'd be great to hear from from uh, from you guys who are listening to us. So, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at timeaddedonpod at outlook com, or you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, by following at time added on pod. See you next week, guys. You reds. See you next week. You reds.